We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it is time for part two of our special edition mailbag, and this is going to be a recruiting mailbag. Not as many recruiting questions on this one as we had team questions, but we do have some good ones, and I want to get to them and uh, and just kind of go over things as we get ready for the rest of our week. Of course, we'll have plenty more opportunities for you to ask questions during our live shows each day this week. So let's dive in. Got a question from 99 Problems of a BKA1. If everything went right for the Irish, what is the max number of commits you think that the Irish will take in 2023 and who, and, and how would they manage it? Current roster defections, current uh, dropping lower priority commits, or just take everyone and let it play out. Well, number one, they're not going to drop any lower priority commits. There was, th- there was only one kid that Notre Dame considered dropping from the class that has already happened. That was Cedric Irvin jr. That was a bit of a different situation because Cedric committed to coaches who are no longer here. The rest of the recruiting class has been recruited by coaches that are here still, or play coaches that maybe it might have been at another, uh, you know, committed to another coach like, for example, Cooper Flanagan. But they have since had that sort of that pledge reaffirmed their guys at the new coaching staff once, so there's not that concern anymore. I mean, Notre Dame only had five kids committed before Marcus Freeman took over as the head coach, and that is Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon. Uh, you had Cedric Irvin, Cooper Flanagan, and Drake Bowen. So four of those five kids are definitely guys that the current staff want. So that's not that's not really a concern moving forward uh, with the current staff. So we we can kind of eliminate that part of it. So when you look at the numbers, the best I can have been able to get to is is twenty seven. I think Notre Dame can get as high as twenty seven in this class. And it's going to require them to make some tough decisions. I think, obviously, when you look at the current roster and who is definitely gone, there's a decent amount of guys who are out of eligibility after this season. And then there's a, a good chunk of players that have potentials for fifth and sixth years, more so the fifth-year guys, that you look at and say, you know, you got to make some tough decisions with guys like, you know, Nano, Safa Mensa, Nosidek, Wanu, and players like that. And then, you, you know, you look at offensive linemen. There's some offensive linemen who may not start this year but could battle for a starting job next year 
when guys that are on the team now are out of eligibility, but do you bring them back as a fifth year in that instance? Or do you, you know, do you use that scholarship for a, a sixth offensive lineman, for example, if you're going to have that conversation? So there's going to have to be a lot of tough decisions made for Notre Dame in that regard. It's not going to be anything where they got to force guys out, you know, tell guys, hey, you don't have a spot anymore. They're not going to do that. And they don't need to do that. There's going to be natural attrition. You know, the interesting thing is Notre Dame didn't lose any any transfers that they weren't expecting this offseason because there's a lot of excitement about playing for Coach Freeman and it's a new staff and all those other type of things. And so kids want to stay and they want to battle and they want to compete. Well, next year it'll be a little bit of a different story, even though the kids, you know, may still love playing for Coach Freeman and may still want to be a part of this and may still want to, you know, play for their position coach. Next year there's there's the depth chart's going to look different. And and what I mean by that is when you have a new coach, it's sort of like a hey, everybody gets that fresh start opportunity kind of look. And there's still a lot of battles that are going to be waged this offseason. Well, those are gonna go those are gonna be settled here this this summer and into fall camp and during the season. So when you get into next season, some of these kids who right now are staying because they want to battle and compete are, are going to be a little bit more bared in the depth chart. And so you'll see a, a couple kids transfer. That just happens everywhere. That's a healthy thing. Some of them will be, you know, kids that graduate in three years, which is obviously the ideal scenario. There's going to be several kids as I look at the roster, several kids in that in that 2020 class that are going to go through this next season and, you know, finish the year, finish the 2022 season, graduate in May and be able to go somewhere else and, and, and play right away. Now, the play right away part's not as important as it used to be because kids can transfer one time. But what Notre Dame deals with is that part of the reason they don't have the same transfer problem that other schools have is because a lot of these kids come to Notre Dame, they understand the value of that degree. So once you've gone through like two years, it's kind of like, hey, look, let me just see it out, get this degree, and then I'll still have two years to play somewhere else or one year to play somewhere else. And so you see a lot more of that at Notre Dame than maybe you do at other places. So I think that is something that that factors into it as well. And then, of course, there's going to be other things happen. A kid's going to get injured. There's going to be something that that results in them being able to open up a spot or two uh, because of a medical situation. It happens almost every year. So there's going to be plenty, uh, plenty of roster turnover. There's obviously several kids that are going to, you know, you look at like Michael Mayer, the odds of Michael Mayer coming back for his senior year slim. You know, there's there's going to be players like that. You know, the odds of Isaiah Foskey coming back for a fifth year slim where you can kind of anticipate, OK, th- that's also going to open up a couple spots as well. So I think 25 to 27 is the range for Notre Dame. I mean, right now they can add 10 more players. The other day I put together sort of like a a, a breakdown of where I think they are right now and, and where how I think they're going to close and, and, and different things. And I got to 25. So e- even then, when I kind of looked at the ideal scenario, it was still a 25-man class. So that gives them a little bit more of a, a buffer to maybe take a sixth offensive lineman, which wasn't part of the plan when they started, but something they would do now because of just how good the board is or maybe a third corner and a third safety, which wasn't necessarily the plan when things got started. A fifth wide receiver, you know, which may be one guy too many just from a, a, a need standpoint, but then there's guys like Micah Tease and, you know, who are just too good to not to say no to. And, and so – there's a lot of scenarios that could could work to where you could get to 27. Getting beyond 27 would mean that there might have to be some tough conversations that are going to be had. But I, I don't know if 28 – I mean, they'd have to literally hit everything perfectly to get to 28, which right now I wouldn't put past this coaching staff, but that's going to be a little bit harder to do. So I think 25 to 27 is the is the range that's realistic of what they can get to. 
And I think 25 to 27 is the range that I think they can get to that allows them to comfortably make some tough decisions without hoping that they can force some kids out of the program. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Irish Group Chat asks, it's sounding like Notre Dame knocked Richard Young's visit out of the park with rumblings of him wanting to come back this fall for a game. Are you hearing the same? And what does Notre Dame have to do to pull this off? One to 10, how are you feeling on where Notre Dame stands today? We chatted a little bit about this yesterday in our in our recruiting hour podcast. And I'll, I'll reiterate a little bit where I stand on this now. Yes, we have heard the same thing. Honestly, we hear that about every visit, right? I mean, I have yet to have a visit this year, especially this current staff where a kid doesn't leave. And wow, it, it was just a great visit. Well, actually there was one, but that didn't have anything to do with Notre Dame. That had to do with something else. But there's really only been one. The staff does a great job. They put on a great week, weekend. They put on a great visit session. They have a lot of great things planned. So I expect things to go great with Richard Young. I still don't see that one ending up well for Notre Dame in the end. I think he's going to pick another school for several reasons. Number one is Notre Dame is a little bit behind the eight ball in regards to the timing because of the coaching turnover. And, you know, it took Dylan McCullough some time to to get here and then get on Richard Young and, and they've worked hard, but other staffs have been building a relationship with him for over a year. That's part of it. The other part of it is geographic. The kids from Florida, the top schools he's looking at are Alabama and Georgia and programs like that. His other two, his final five was Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, uh, Oregon, and Notre Dame. Well, obviously Oregon's further away. That's a different animal. Oklahoma's further away, but those aren't necessarily the programs I'm worried as worried about. But I'll say the good thing about that visit is I do believe Notre Dame has moved above those two programs, but now it's Alabama and Georgia, and they were always just the top two programs that they were chasing. So I think for Notre Dame, this is one that we discussed yesterday. You hope that this one drags out because I think the longer it drags out, the longer it gives Dylan McCullough an opportunity to build a relationship with, you know, with Richard Young and let him understand like what he can do for him from a development standpoint, what opportunities there are. It gives Richard Young an opportunity to go into the season and and see what the Notre Dame offensive line is going to look like, see what the 
the run blocking is going to look like, see what this offense is going to look like, which I think is going to bode well for Notre Dame's chances with him. And then the third part of it is the longer it goes into the season, the more chance there is that Alabama and Georgia land other running backs because they, you know, they, they feel that they can't wait around for Richard Young to make his decision. So I think all those things are, are, could factor into it. I'm at a four right now with Richard Young as far as my confidence level, but it's a it's up from where it was before, and it's an optimistic four, which I could see uh, growing as it as as he continues to to let his recruitment play out. So certainly Notre Dame took a great first shot, right? Like we said, when they get on campus, you got a puncher's chance. Well, they they threw a heavy punch and and it went well, and and Richard enjoyed himself, his dad enjoyed himself, and and there's definitely legitimate interest there. Now it's just about hoping you can get him back for a game and hoping that you can continue to build that relationship with them. TGC asks, what are the top-rated position groups for recruits for the consecutive 2022 to 2023 classes? In other words, what position groups are being recruited better than others? It's a very good question. So looking at the 22 and 23 classes, that'd be 22 uh, is the current in, freshman class, and then 23 is the, the class that I'm working on now. I I think there's really three positions on both sides of the ball that, that to me, are standing out above all the others. Now, one of them is going to be a little interesting because they actually don't have a kid committed there yet, but I'll explain. Let's begin with the defense. To begin, I think linebacker recruiting has been phenomenal the last two years. Obviously, Notre Dame landed the nation's number one, in my opinion, the nation's number one linebacking class last year, with uh, which was Jalen Snead, Josh Burnham, no, Junior Tui Alamaka, and Nolan Ziegler. They've done, they did so well there. And then, of course, when you look at what they have in 23 with Drake Bowen, who's a top 50 recruit, and Preston Zinter, who is got a weird ranking. Most have him as a three-star. Rivals has him as a four-star top 250. I think that's a little bit closer to where he is as a player than the other ranking. But Drake Bowen, to me, is a top 50 player. So you've got three guys that – well, four guys in, in a two-year span that graded out as top 100 recruits by at least one recruiting service. And that would be Jalen Sneed, Josh Burnham, Drake Bowen, and Junior Two Alamaco. Well, they've done they're they're so confident in where they are. And then, of course, with Josh Burnham really just showing up and and getting a lot bigger and really filling out and things like that, he's already moved to Viper. And they did that comfortably, knowing what else is there. So they've done a great job recruiting linebackers since Marcus Freeman has arrived. And then, of course, they're still recruiting other players like Jaden Osbury, potentially Samuel Pemba, who's more of an athlete than a pure linebacker. But Jaden Osbury is a an outstanding linebacker and another top 50 caliber recruit that Notre Dame has done a great job with. And they're hoping to be able to land here uh, this summer as well, as he looks at, you know, obviously Notre Dame and Texas A&M and, and Auburn and Michigan and some other schools. So they're trying to close the deal on that one. Defensive line recruiting has been excellent. Even last year was a smaller class, but I don't count Josh Burnham as a defensive line recruit because they didn't recruit him there. It's, it's, it's like saying, it's like giving the staff credit for recruiting Cam Hart to play corner. They didn't recruit him to play corner. They recruited him to play wide receiver, and he ended up just moving there and being a really good player. But even if you take Josh Burnham out, you know, last year you signed two top 100 caliber guys in Tyson Ford and Aiden Gobira, which were big pickups for Notre Dame. You beat Oklahoma for Tyson Ford. You beat Penn State for Aiden Gobira, which were huge pickups. You got Dynamon Heinish, who's a, you know, a, a just like his brother, blue-collar kid. He's a little bit more athletic than Kurt, not quite as big as Kurt was. But blue-collar kid, playmaker, you know, gives depth in the interior. And then, of course, this year, Notre Dame has a, just an elite defensive line class so far with Keon Keeley, Brandon Vernon, Bubakar Traore, and, and Devin Houston. And they're trying to add Jason Moore. If they add Jason Moore, it becomes, in my opinion, a generational class for Notre Dame. Like, I mean, and it will be the best defensive line class in the country. He's a top 50 recruit. 
Brendan Vernon's a top 50 recruit. And obviously, Keon Keeley is a, is a five-star. So uh, that that would be a really outstanding class. And if you look at like top 100 rankings, four of the five kids would be ranked in the top 100 by at least one recruiting service, which is just outstanding, outstanding recruiting. And would, in my opinion, be the best defensive line class in Notre Dame would have signed in 20, 30 years. It would even be, if Jason Moore signs, it's even better than the 2011 class that had Aaron Lynch, Eshack Williams, and Stephon to it. So they're certainly doing a great job there. And then the other defensive position that I think they're doing a great job at right now is cornerback. And obviously the 21 class I liked a lot with Ryan Barnes, Philip Riley, Chance Tucker. But in 2022, I mean, that to me, I, I graded that out as Notre Dame's best cornerback class since the 2012 class that had Kavari Russell and T. Shepard. I, I love Benjamin Morrison. He was a top 100. I, I graded him out as a top 100 recruit. Jaden Mickey was a consensus four-star recruit, top 150 caliber player. That was an excellent one-two punch last year. I think Benjamin Morrison is criminally underrated. And then you look at this year, you know, guys haven't committed yet, but you, Notre Dame's done a really good job recruiting that position, in my opinion. When you look at Christian Gray and Micah Bell are on the verge of making commitments, they are going to announce July 1st for Micah Bell, July 4th for Christian Gray. Notre Dame is in a really good position with both ahead of that commitment as long as they can continue on the path they're on now. You feel good about where Notre Dame stands. That's one heck of a one-two punch. Both of those guys are ranked in the top 100 by at least one service. Christian Gray is ranked as high as 51st. Micah Bell is ranked as high as 55th. So two very highly recruited recruited guys. Christian Gray is a long, lean, smooth athlete, uh, great instincts for the position. Micah Bell is an absolute burner. He's run a 10-4 consistently in the 10-4, 10-5 in the 100-meter dash. He's run his uh, his personal best is 10-4-1. He also has a 10-3-4 wind-aided 100-meter dash. His 200-meter times are just elite. I mean, he he's, he's as faster 100 and 200-meter times than Troy Pride had as a senior and Micah Bell did that as a junior. So just an outstanding player from the, from the Houston, Texas area. So, you know, he's very talented. If they're able to land those two guys, then all of a sudden cornerback becomes just a position where they've recruited incredibly well the last couple of years. So let's move over to offense. As we talked about before, I think Jeff Quinn put together a good offensive line class last year. After he left, Tommy Reese was able to add to that with Billy Shrouth, who was the top-rated kid in that class. But So that made that a really good five-man class. Maybe no truly elite player. There's no Blake Fisher, Quentin Nelson type of guy. But one to five, just a really good group. And then you look at the current class they've put together with four commits. That all, four, all of them are four-star players and by at least one service. All of them are ranked in the top 250 by at least one service. And to me, Elijah Page has an incredibly high ceiling. He has five-star upside. You look at Selvin Absher, he's a top 100 caliber recruit. You look at Samuel Penda, or Sam, Sam Pendleton, excuse me, he's a top 250 caliber player. You know, so so he's another guy that you really like in that group. And then Joe Otting is, is, is I'm sorry, he's the one who's not ranked on the top 250. I said all of them were. Joe Otting is not. But he's a kid that the staff absolutely loves, and he fills that center need. So I think the offensive line classes with the last two years has been pretty good. They need another guy, though, for me to feel really great about it. I think they need to land one of Charles Jagasaw or Monroe Freeling. They're going to try for both. I think they just need to land one. Feel really good about where things are with Notre Dame and and Charles Jagasaw right now. Not so good about where things stand with Monroe Freeling. But if you had Charles Jagasaw, then it's in a it's a really, really, really good offensive line class. And you've done that for now two years in a row. Tight end recruiting has also been excellent. Notre Dame signed, in my opinion, the best one-two punch of tight end last year. I think A&M, Texas A&M had a really good tight end class as well. I like Notre Dame's just a little bit better. 
with Eli Raritan and Holden Stace, just an outstanding one-two punch at tight end, complimentary players extremely well. And then you come out and you get Cooper Flanagan this year, who is a complete different player than those other two guys. You know, Eli Raritan is a 6'6", athletic kid. He's 6'6", 225. He can play outside. He can play some W. He can play some slot. He can play attached as well. You know, Holden Stace is 6'4", 230. He's also really athletic. He can play more attached. He can also play in the slot and do some different things. They kind of complement each other very well because when you look at Holden Stace and Eli Raritan, they both do similar things, but they the, the, the way I would rank their strengths isn't the same. So that, like I said, that you can play them together really effectively. Well, then you look at Cooper Flanagan, and he's different than both of them. He's more of a traditional tight end. You know, he's 6'5", 240. You know, he's more of an attached guy that, that blocks. He's strong. He can work the middle of the field. He can work the zones. He can run the option routes. And so he's a great complement to the two kids they signed last year. Really, really strong group there. And then they've done really well at running back, even without Richard Young and Jeremiah Love, who they're still trying to recruit. You had a really good two-man class last year with Jadarian Price, who I graded out as a top 100 recruit. Jabron Payne was a four-star top 250 kid, borderline top 100 recruit before all his injuries sunk in. So that drags his grade down a little bit, but he's still a talented kid, and he's your number two back. And then, of course, so far right now you have Jade Lamar. So I think running back recruiting has been pretty good uh, the last two years as well. It can get better, and that's why I have that kind of third of that group. But you, you've done you've done well there. Receiver could potentially get thrown into that mix because of how good Tobias Merriweather is. If they're able to get a four to five man class this year, you know, let's say they're able to get Ronan Hannafin and, and Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores and and potentially Micah Tease to go with Braylon James, who's a top hundred recruit. You could throw receiver in there, but right now with the misses they had last year, and then also losing C.J. Williams and Amorian Walker. Plus the fact I only have one this year, I just I can't justify putting the receiver class in there. But it could end up being there depending on how they do in this 2023 class from a finishing standpoint. Eddie82 asks, how likely is it that some new prospects get on the board based on their performance during their senior seasons in the fall? I'm thinking we may still have needs at wide receiver, perhaps in the secondary, if all does not go as hoped, also maybe a quarterback. I I think it's, it's definitely what happened, Eddie, especially at positions where maybe Notre Dame hasn't filled their needs. So, you know, let's you quarterback as a perfect example. There are several kids that Notre Dame has their eye on if they don't get Dante Moore or they feel that they faded with Dante Moore even before he makes a decision somewhere else. That puts Notre Dame in a situation where they're they're going to have to turn to some of those other guys. And, and it's a really deep quarterback class. So some of those guys will be able to turn to and say, hey, let's see how this kid develops. Let's see how he plays the senior year. You know, a guy that this isn't this isn't Notre Dame. They're not looking at him, but this is just me, Brian Driscoll, making a claim. If I was in their shoes, this is what I would do. You know, let's say Dante Moore picks somewhere else. There's a kid, for example, like in Tennessee named Kenny Minchie, who's committed to Pitt, that I would definitely keep an eye on. You know, he's a kid that's developing. I'd want to see how he plays senior year. I liked his junior film a lot. He's a bit raw, you know, needs some work. If he shows me progress, he'd be a guy that I would jump on. So there's certainly positions like that. You know, corner, I don't think will be in there, Eddie. I think that position is going to be in good shape by the time we get to the senior season. You know, receiver, for example, Jaden Greathouse has talked about wanting to take his you know recruitment into the fall. If him and Micah Tease both go into the fall with their recruitments, or if Micah Tease picks somewhere else and Jaden Greathouse takes his recruitment into the fall, then you may have to start looking at other receivers. And there's certainly guys on the board that Notre Dame would then be able to reevaluate. I would say the same thing. You know, positions like you know, running back, if they don't get two of the other kids, maybe if they if they feel the need to take a second back, you know, maybe an offensive line. Let's just say hypothetically, worst case scenario, they don't get a fifth offensive lineman, which I would be shocked by. 
you know, then maybe you start looking at some other guys like Trevor Lau, how does he develop this year and, and some other players like that. So certainly something you'll do, certainly something you'll do. And then of course, as we, as I mentioned earlier, if they have a couple extra spots, there may be a kid that breaks out somewhere where you don't necessarily have a need, but he's just too good to pass up. They could do that there. But, but I, I really think cornerback and receiver and quarterback are really the only positions where there's still a need, you know, numbers need. And so as long as they continue to, to land players there, I don't see them adding many at all, if at all players, but if, as they start to miss or guys decide to drag on their recruitments longer than anticipated, that's when you could see things change. Florida Irishman asks, if Larson commits this month, will Notre Dame receive another public commitment in June to be over four and a half in the month of June? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know of anyone, right? I, there's no one that I have like knowledge of that is going to decide in June for sure. I think there's some uh, several kids, I'd say up to four to five, that are going to be making decisions here soon. The problem is, actually, I'd say six to seven that are going to be making decisions soon. The problem is three of them have decisions already set for July. Several others have, have I think, are in the decision-making mode, but I don't think, think feel that they have like this need to rush the, for the next nine days to get a commitment in. Several of them still have visits coming up this upcoming weekend. So I wouldn't be shocked by it, but I'm also not anticipating it or predicting it because I think some, most of these kids are going to kind of wait till wait till July because here's what the process with a lot of these kids are going through, even kids who I believe are ready to pick Notre Dame. You know, you've kind of gone through this emotional month of these visits and you you had this great visit to Notre Dame and you want to kind of take some time to sit back and say, okay, let me really make sure that this decision, wherever I'm going, is the right one, that it's not an emotional one. It's not that I'm riding some wave of momentum because what y'all have to understand is these kids that pick Notre Dame usually are pretty different. You know, they're very thoughtful kids. They're, they're intelligent kids. They're, they're young men, I should say. I should probably call them young men. It's just a coaching thing. They're my kids is how I always refer to it, so I, I mean no disrespect there. But, you know, the, these guys are, 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 are smart. They want to make sure they're making the right decision. I think Notre Dame is going to have a very, very, very good month of July because I think a lot of kids who maybe make silent commitments in June, because you said public commitments, are actually going to wait till July to make the announcements. You know, you got to get graphics made. Some of these kids want to get video. People ask, why would a kid make a silent commitment if he's not going to tell everybody? Well, there's several reasons. Number one is kids have visits come up. Number two, kids want to take their time and make sure that it's solidified. Not every kid is okay decommitting. They want to make sure it's right. Number three, some kids may have a special occasion that I want to announce it on my grandma's birthday or my mom's birthday or something like that, right? That's happened plenty of times. Dad's birthday. I think Junior Chalamaka's decision last year was made, I think it was like on his dad's birthday, I believe, right? So that's fine too. And and so the coaches are okay with that. As long as they know, like it's not because you're wanting to visit other schools and check out other schools. Some kids have silently committed and that is exactly what they're doing because Notre Dame doesn't let public commits take official visits or they really discourage it. So, Hey, you know, you want to continue taking visits. That's fine. Just, we're not going to make your commitment public. And in that instance, Notre Dame doesn't stop recruiting other kids either. They still treat that spot as somewhat open, even when kids are, are, are quote unquote silently committed. And then the final piece is these kids like to get these, these graphics and these videos and different things made. And those things take time. So, you know, you see Notre Dame kids occasionally will have these videos done. And, and for example, they, they got a commitment this year from a kid <clears throat> who committed like a month after he was supposed to. 
publicly because he was getting a video made. It's fine. He wasn't looking at other schools. I mean, he, he, they, everybody knew he was doing so Notre Dame was fine with it. And that was an extreme example. Normally it just takes a week or two for these things to get made, but those are parts of the reasons too. So I don't, I couldn't tell you for sure that they're going to do that. They're going to get another guy. If Jack Larson commits on Friday, he's making his decision on, on Friday, June 24th uh, at I believe 5 PM at his high school. So assuming he picks Notre Dame just for argument's sake, which, you know, we feel good about where Notre Dame is. I couldn't tell you definitively that there's another kid in the month of June that's going to make that decision. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tom Chris 2488 asks, you mentioned on the mailbox that you expected seven more commits by August 1st. Is that 23 and 24 combined, or is that just 23 kids? Actually, Tom Chris, that was just 23 kids. I really like I said, I, I think I think Notre Dame is going to close this summer out really well. I really do. And and the conversation was by the end of by the end of July, we felt, you know, or by August 1st, so that basically by, by the end of July 31st, the Notre Dame would have, I said, seven, I put the minimum seven kids committed. You know, there's three players that are, have, have July commitments scheduled already. I feel really good about all three, but obviously there's one, Enrico Flores, who, as I've told said many times, I'm still a little concerned with because of Ohio State. But assuming they can hold off Ohio State, you, you like where Notre Dame stands there. I, I like where Notre Dame stands with Christian Gray and Micah Bell. And and so that's three. And then, you know, I look at other players. I, I think that there's at least one defensive player, one more defensive player that I think could make a decision before in June. I think that there's several, there's at least, at least one other receiver that I think could make a decision this summer. And I expect to make a decision this summer. There's at least one offensive lineman that I expect to make a decision this summer. So, you know, and, and then of course there's always other kids that, that could pop as well. I mean, there's, there, there's, we'll get into specific names, but, there's several kids. I think. I think I was having this conversation with with uh, Sean Davis last night, and I think there's nine kids that have a, a good chance of deciding this before the summer's over. And Notre Dame would have to get seven of the nine. Well, right now, I think they're the leader for all nine. It doesn't mean they're going to get all nine, and it doesn't necessarily mean that all nine will decide this summer. A couple of them are, you know, sort of. I think I might take it in the fall, but I think as of right now, I, I'm comfortable saying that's seven. Now, maybe one kid decides to take it in August, perhaps, but I'm comfortable with that with that seven mark. If we include 24 kids, then I definitely would take the over if we were doing an over-under thing on uh, on summer commitments. Detroit Hunters said, in, uh, in yesterday's show, we talked about building classes on top of one another to get into title contention, in which, uh, in which are successfully doing in 22, 23, and 24. Which group outside of quarterback are we worried about not getting there by the 24 class? You know, for me, it's it's still it's still quarterback and wide receiver for me. Obviously, Notre Dame has a, a really good quarterback committed in the 24 class and CJ Carr. I, I felt that they needed to get Dante Moore in this class, and I think that's that's gonna end up being a miss. You know, I think CJ Carr is a heck of a player, but you know, what if he gets injured? What if he doesn't develop? I mean, there's always there's always things that happen. Not every big time quarterback pans out. I think CJ's got a great chance of doing that, but 
that's just being realistic. That, that that there's nothing else behind it. Just being realistic. Well, if you've gone from be, from 21 and for Tyler Buckner in the 21 class to CJ Carr in the 24 class, and that's the only big time quarterbacks you have now, you're crossing your fingers hoping, you know, that Steve Angeli turns out to be better in college than he was in high school. You know, kid never threw for 2,000 yards in college, in high school, so maybe he is and does end up being better in college than he is in high school. Wouldn't be unheard of, but it doesn't happen often. And and then you look at the fact that you don't know who they're going to get in 2023. So quarterback is still a bit of a concern for me in regards to, to building it the way that the other top programs build. And I'm not talking about five stars. I'm talking about guys that I look at and say, boy, this guy's got a chance to be something really good if he can develop. And so, you know, those are, that's where I look. And there were some kids they had a shot at in 2022 that they missed on or didn't try on. You know, Kate Klubnik, Sam Horn, Drew Aller, guys like that, that I thought would have made me feel a lot better about the quarterback position and would have made me okay if, if they miss on Dante Moore in 2023, but that's just not where they are. And then receiver, I feel good about where Notre Dame is now, but until some of these kids commit, it, it's still a bit of a concern. And, and and even though they've upgraded receiver recruiting, obviously Tobias Merriweather was an excellent player, really like Ronan Hannafin, like Jaden Greathouse, like Rico Flores. He's a good player. Like Micah Tease, obviously really like Braylon James as well. You know, Notre Dame's got a chance with a lot of those kids. Obviously, Braylon's already committed, and they're they're in the final two to three with all those other kids, and I think they'll land at least three of those guys. But there's still a level that they can take the recruiting to, in my opinion. There's still some really, really top guys, and especially those dynamic, shifty, get-the-ball-in-their-hands guys, which none of the guys that we talked about are that player except maybe Micah Tease. That's another type of, of player that they're just not getting yet that I think they need to get. And so I, th- I would say th- that's the that's the position for me that I'm most concerned about. And then when it comes to stacking classes, I love the 23 safety class. Love it. I mean, Peyton Bowen is in the Don Schuler is an outstanding class. And even if you're able to add, add Caleb Downs, I mean, that's just a, an elite special game, program changing safety class. They didn't sign a true safety in 2022. And I don't know who they're going to get at safety in 2024. It's very, very early yet. You know, maybe they get Peyton Woodyard. Does he state safety? Does he outgrow it? Does he become a rover? There's all types of questions. So defensively, I think the position group that I'm still most concerned with as far as stacking classes would be safety. Uh, like I said earlier in a, in a question, I love the D-line class. I love what they've done at linebacker. They're in a really good position with some really talented 2024 linebackers. You know, corner, we'll see how they do in 24 corner, but 22 and 23, I expect to be really, really good. Safety is the one where you look at 22, you look at 24. There's a lot of uncertainty, even though the 23 class is really, really good. So that would be the position I'm looking at on defense. 99 problems with BK1. With so many recruits committing earlier than usual, do Notre, does Notre Dame, uh, do you see Notre Dame uh, with a higher risk than usual for decommitments and flips? Well, I tell you what, man, if that's not BK PTSD, I don't know what is, buddy. Uh, look, could Notre Dame lose kids from this class? Sure. I mean, that's the reality of the world we live in. You know, the, Notre Dame has lost some kids over the years. I never would have dreamed they would, I never would have dreamt that they would lose Pete Werner. N- never would have dreamt it, not in a million years. And obviously there were circumstances that factored into it, you know, the four and eight season and some mistakes by the coaching staff that I don't see this one making, but it's it's possible, certainly possible. I don't think it's I don't think getting kids early causes that is gonna up that other than just from a percentage of you have more kids, so there's more potential for some to leave. But I I, I think the kids that are in the class now are pretty solid. And I think the 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 quality of the group is also something that helps keep it together. And, and I, so I think actually 
the size of the class actually enhances their ability to keep it together because of how good it is. Because you know, you look around and let's say they only had seven commitments and you know they're pretty good commitments, but there's still a lot of holes to fill. And then you're looking at Ohio State's class is bigger than that, and Georgia's class is bigger, and you know, as Bama starts filling up and Clemson starts filling up, these kids start saying, Boy, you know, boy, I, you know, Notre Dame said they we were gonna do this and we're gonna have this generational class, but man, you know, we're we're at eight, nine commitments and and these schools are at 15, 16, and the kids that I wanted to play with are now going there or they're uncertain and all those type of things. That's when you run the risk of decommitting if you're Notre Dame because you're still trying to get to the level of those programs. When you're at 15, and especially if they let's just say they get um, let's say my seven prediction earlier is a little high and they only get seven. Or I mean they can only get five, and they're at 20. Right. And and that's a quality 20. And so the, the thing you're selling of, hey, stay here, be part of the number one class, stay here, be part of something new, something special, something unique, build something as, a, as opposed to being a part of something that's already there, just being the next cog in the machine, so to speak. And so that's worked for Notre Dame. And the bigger class is what helps you with that, in my opinion, especially when it's a quality class. We did have one Twitter question from Maverick from recruiting. So he says, what are your thoughts on Flores as a prospect? To me, he seems like a high floor, low ceiling guy. I think that's fair. You know, I don't know if I'd call I, I think that's fair. Although I would, I would push back a little bit on the low ceiling. I think he has a lower ceiling than other players in the class. I'm getting into a bit of a semantic thing here. I, I think Rico's a good football player. I think the thing for me is going to be how much can he fill out and how much maybe explosiveness can he add in college? I think he's got a nice burst. He's probably the most, it's either, actually, I would probably go with him. I think Jaden Greathouse is the most polished receiver from this combination of size and strength and then, you know, instincts and all that. But I, I would argue that Rico Flores is every bit as, as polished from just a route running standpoint. I mean, he's a very good route runner. This kid knows how to play football, you know, very smart player, Really nice burst off the line, you know, shows shows the ability to run by people, even though I don't think he's like real fast, just because he comes off the ball so quickly, catches the ball well. You know, the question is, is what does this high what is the ceiling, right? That and, and you know, because he isn't a super explosive athlete, at least he doesn't appear to be, because he's not huge, he's not real big, he's you know, six one, you know, good uh, which is good size. There's nothing great about him. There's just a lot of good things about him. So I think that is raises some of the question of the of the low ceiling. But I wouldn't call him a low ceiling guy. I really would. I really would want to hammer that semantic aspect of it. It's just lower than guys like Braylon James, who has five star upside. You know, Ronan Hannafin, who I believe has five star upside. He doesn't. He doesn't have that kind of ceiling. But I'm more certain that Rico Flores is going to be able to contribute in college than a lot of those other guys because he is so polished. And so I I really like the high floor aspect of what you're saying, Maverick. I think that is spot on. I think he's a really good route runner, good ball skills, uh, understands how to get open, can work against zones, you know, can can win one-on-one contested catches at the high school level. I want to see how that projects at the next level because he's not super, super long, but does a lot of things really well. And I think he's got some slot to his game, too, in, in, if you understand what Notre Dame's offenses can do with a slot that's not a shifty type of guy. You know, he can he can work the zones. He can work the middle of the field. He knows how to get open. He's a really high IQ football player. You know, he's quick enough to where he can run the, the slot routes and get open, and, and he's he has at least enough speed, in my opinion, already to – work some of the crossers and the drags and different things. So I think he could play slot. I was not a fan of him as a slot early on, but as, as I've dove into more film and, and watched some game film, you know, I've, I've kind of come around like, you know what? I think this kid can play the slot. 
and, and and do some really nice things in it. So I think he's a little bit more versatile than I originally gave him credit for, which which helps me feel a little better about his ceiling. Whereas maybe a month ago, Maverick, I might have I might have kind of had a, a similar impression to you because I hadn't really dove into the film and graded out the film. I just kind of watched the highlights and and you know wait till he gets to campus and see how things go before I really, really do a deep dive into him as a player. And so as I've done the deep dive, I've, I see a little bit higher ceiling than I did before. You, you, When you do a deep dive, you rarely just like completely change your view of a kid. You'll just find some things here and there that, boy, I really like that. I didn't see that before. You know, this has really grown on me. And, and that's kind of what's happened with Rico is he's brought some of that kind of stuff to the table. So he, he's he's good football. But he's a top 200 caliber football player, in my opinion, which is why his final three was Notre Dame, Georgia, and Ohio State. I mean – you know, you, you don't get down to that final three if you're not a pretty good football player. So that's going to do it for the recruiting edition of this podcast. Thank you so much for your patience this week and and uh, always being loyal members. If you're listening, obviously, via podcast, we really appreciate that. I would ask that you give us a five-star review. That means a lot to us. It helps us continue to grow our channel and uh, helps us kind of get seen more and, and all those types of al- algorithms that I don't quite understand, but I do know that when you give us a five-star review, that helps us out quite a bit. So thank you very, very much for that. Make sure you check out the boards at irishbreakdown.com. You can find them at irishbreakdown.com. You can click on the Champions Lounge, or you can just go directly to it at boards.irishbreakdown.com. That's where we put all of our premium content. Uh, We've had a lot of people in June shopping in the merch store. If you are not a member of the message board and you sign up now, you will get a a 10% discount to the merch store to get Irish Breakdown gear. If you're a monthly sign-up, if you're an annual sign-up, you get 20% off your entire purchase of your next your next entire purchase in the merch store. So definitely check that out as well. So everybody, thank you so much for uh, listening to this show. If you have any questions, you always can hit me up on Twitter at CoachD178. You can always check us out on our Facebook page, or our Breakdown Facebook page. But always the best way to find me and reach me is on the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Thanks for joining me on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.